What do you believe, Finn? What do you think's happening? I think, if I'm being honest, is that Square Enix are shedding as much weight as they can so they can be lined up for a buyout. I think Sony are going to buy Square Enix before the end of the year. Ah. That's my prediction. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Polygon Forest episode 50. We're halfway there, baby. Half, what, halfway? I, d I don't know, like halfway, halfway to 100. Halfway there? What, are we finishing at 100? Oh, okay. Sure, why not? Like, we're going to quit at 100, so you might as well enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> um, maybe, we don't know. But yeah, um, Chris, welcome, as always. Um, so the indie developer, Christopher Jarvis, has joined us, as always. How are you going, sir? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Very well. And I am Ubisoft concept artist, Vin Hill. I just completely fumbled this whole intro, but I'm going to blast right through it. It's fine. Like the 50 thing threw me off completely. So if you, <laughs> if you are joining us and you are new, this is our 50th episode. Yeah. Like that's a milestone. As ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know what the arbitrary sort of milestones are. Cause so it goes 50, hundred. And then is it like 200 after that? 200? Or is it 250? Yeah. That's the real question. I don't know. I think you make it, you can make a, at least nod to every 50 i think it's fine fair enough We'd, we if like, what 250 is like a few years away though isn't it yeah if it's taken us a year to do 50 this is true yeah shut up guys yeah. talk about video games okay we'll listen to you yeah. that's fine yeah. yeah no you're right um but yeah thank you very much everyone like 50 episodes is, is quite a milestone either way we appreciate everyone um liking subscribing commenting on any video and all that sort of good stuff so thank you and we will continue to provide you with the best content on the internet not really but you know we'll we'll keep plans our opinions yeah. yeah 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 we'll keep doing what we're doing we're enjoying it hot takes our yeah hot video takes. game hot takes and news yeah indeed speaking um, of news we, yeah we do you want to jump in with news or do you want to have a quick update on your how our indie games are going sure let's do the indie game roundup i guess like you're you're a lot more busy than i am these days so let's start with you sir like how is the indie game going uh I all I need to do is maybe come up with one song, which should only take a couple of hours because it's more like a few notes. Yeah. And just before the show, Vin tried helping me with a, a little audio problem I've got. Failed um, measurably. With, I apologise. We'll we'll try and well, figure we, it out. We later. both did. You're fine. You're fine. You helped, and uh, you've given me a direction to go in. Blindly. Uh, blind. so got, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then after that, my demo's done, and then I'll be sending it out to everyone. Going, give me some money. Give me some money. Um, look at what I can do. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of exciting time, but you that's one of those things where I thought I'd be done by now, mm. but I knew I wasn't going to be done by the time I thought I was going to be done. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't going to be done by now, really, because I knew stuff would crop up. <laughs> but if all goes well, I should be done in the next week or so. Yeah, and then we fast forward to three weeks from now. And it's like, how's that demo going, Chris? And you're sat there crying or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> progress. Such is indie dev Such life. Is yeah. life. <laughs> For an indie developer, yeah, you're right. Yeah. How's how's yours how's yours going then? It's going slowly but surely. Um, I had a bit of a rough week this week because a, a bit of a burnout. Like I'm working on a lot of projects at the moment, so I yeah. like decided to take yesterday and just took took a break. Um, but I've been working on some more animation stuff and uh, 3D stuff this um, today this morning. So Ooh. yeah, I think I'm going to carry on like after we finish the episode as well. So we so I can get a little bit of progress done because I've really I've been slacking a little bit over the last couple of weeks but it's going like I'm I'm feeling good about progress like it's 
it's it's kind of hard to like share updates on my game because like it's stuck in sort of one area like for now because of like the just the nature of what i'm working on at the moment which is a vertical slice i'm sort of in this one scene just doing everything that i'm doing in this one scene so whenever like a new person comes along and sees like oh that game looks really cool and then the second time they see it like oh yeah that's the same scene and the third time they see it's like still the same scene that sort of thing and it's like that is i can imagine that's going to be draining on people that are sort of looking at it so i'm just just getting my head down and and um trying to like just finish this slice so i can move into other areas basically because i know people are going to get sick of that sort of stuff and you know with the uh, steam wish list page up like that's only going to it's going to plateau off at some point so and it's because of that basically and i'm fully aware of that but at the same time i'm just trying to keep my head in the game no pun intended and just to like keep focused on the vertical slice and not like worry too much about what other people think of it and you know all that sort of stuff so i'm kind of i'm just i'm just chugging through basically yeah yeah you gotta find focus Um, yeah tumbleweeds that joke is long gone um anyway anyway yeah we should uh we should talk about um some gaming news anyway but yeah it's the, yes. the end of the game's going well on the wish list are chugging away so we'll see oh, I, haven't even, I don't even i don't even check mine I'm not even in that mode yeah I, I checked mine this morning it's gone up a little bit but i'm not like it's definitely fl- it's flattened out big time, which is fine. Like, okay. like I knew it would. Um, I've got like an arbitrary number in my head, which I want to get to like in 18 months, like when the game yeah. is supposed to come out, quote unquote. So like I'll be making a bigger push like once I get into production anyway, because there'll be a lot more updates, be a lot of different things, yeah, uh, all that sort of good stuff. But yeah, that's, that's way later. We'll see. Nice. So well, yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, so should we do some news then, I guess? We should talk about some news, because there has been some news. Uh, yes. This week, if you've been living under a rock, then um, hi from Under the Rock. Um, but if you ha- if you haven't been under the rock, you might have seen the uh, headline that Square Enix is selling Tomb Raider and its other existing studios in the West, so Western game market, which is mostly in Montreal, I guess. So IDOS Montreal, um, Crystal Dynamics, and... Uh, I can't remember the Rover Studio. What was it called? Um, I don't know. It's gone. I'm not, I can't remember. It's gone. So okay. yeah, basically the um, the yeah the news is like IDOS Montreal are getting sold with uh, Crystal Dynamics. So people that made uh, Gex, Legacy of Kane, the recent Tomb Raider games, obviously, um, the Marvel Thief. games of of uh, avengers and uh, guardians of the galaxy which have been out yeah thief yeah huge huge ips including a deus ex as well yeah. has also been sold yeah bananas so yeah that <clears throat> so that's kind of good news for some people because then, then that means that these franchises which have been mothballed uh like legacy of kane like the soul reaver games um and the deus ex ones yeah they could be revived and also was what was happening with Tomb Raider. I'm guessing that nothing was happening because otherwise we would have heard the headline would be, you know, something's happening with the current Tomb Raider game that's being made. So I guess it's not been announced at least. Yeah, I think they probably are working on a Tomb Raider game. I'm pre- I don't know if it's been announced or it's been heavily rumoured. It's one or the other. Right. Like there, there is echoes okay. of it somewhere anyway that they are working on a Tomb Raider game. 
But yeah, we we probably yeah. should mention like the like I know it's like okay they've they've been sold, but to who? Um, they've been sold to Embracer oh, yeah. Group, which is a Swedish um, studio. Um, well, not studio. Sorry, they're a Swedish publisher. They actually own a few um, different um, sub publishers, and and Embracer Group basically came out of the the ashes of what was THQ. And they became THQ Nordic, who were then bought out by Embracer Group or became Embracer Group. I can't remember which order that went in. But yeah, it's it's of those ilk. But also um, Gearbox are owned by Embracer Group as well. So uh, Gearbox obviously oh, being oh. of uh, Borderlands fame. So yeah. there's, it's quite a high-profile sort of purchase. The weird thing about this, more than anything, is the price tag that came with this sort of stuff. So for Deus Ex, for Tomb Raider, for... Legacy of Kane for all these like crazy IP that you get for like acquiring these studios and and, and their IP. Uh, that price tag weighs in at a tiny, quote unquote tiny, three hundred million dollars. Yeah, which is it's tiny, very very small. Um, yeah, like there's people out there that are saying uh, that Tomb Raider alone is probably worth that. So the fact that this went for so cheap is sort of strange and there's there's sort of two roads to that in that um square enix have obviously not made that much money off their western studios in recent years mostly because square enix have mishandled stuff um like this problem start from the top in this respect like if they're not getting funding or they're not getting the resources to make games better and then square enix are saying like oh our western studios aren't performing very well it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point basically so, mm. like, when you try and sell those studios, like, there's very much to sell it on, especially um, it's been reported, I think it was reported, actually, in this article, which I've got up by a Protocol right now. Um, so all of Square Enix's uh, Western studios made about $200 million last year uh, in total. Uh, they, only, they only earned about $8 million in combined operational income. Um, so, like, while... Whoa, where's that going? What does that mean, combined operational income? I don't know. So it basically okay. means, I'm, I'm guessing that that's what it, like the uh, the net gain out of it was. So like they're basically oh. making games for a certain amount and then they're not making as much money as Square Enix want them to, basically. So. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. But then you, all you need to do is wait for like a year and a half and then you made your money back, right? Yeah, I would say. Because a lot of this comes down to expectations more than anything. Um, the the idea that Square Enix are not making money off their Western studios is ludicrous. Like, they absolutely are. It's just they're not mm. making as much as they want to. So the main reason why Square Enix acquired the, the Marvel um, licensing on, on some of their projects, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like Marvel Avengers, it's because that they thought that that would just be a natural sort of that cash cow for cash them. cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, in some sense it would be. Um, but it's not come through as much as they'd hoped it would. Like they, I'm not sure if Square Enix sort of wanted to fashion themselves as like being like an Ubisoft in terms of, I'm not saying Ubisoft are the greatest like publisher in the world or anything, but like in terms of Ubisoft's like thing with Assassin's Creed and Far Cry and stuff like that, they, yeah. like people have opinions about those games, but at the end of the day, they make a lot of money for the publishers. So and I think yeah. Square Enix were probably looking at those sorts of things as a third party and was saying, ah, yeah. You know, we we would really like one of those <laughs> sort of thing. But yeah, we want a big old franchise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially sure. in a Western studio. Like they've got a lot in their Japanese studios, obviously. Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, things like this, like huge, huge IP. So like I don't think they ever really nailed that down with uh, Western studios though. 
they have like to an extent with things like Tomb Raider, but like even those sales never really did too great and they were never really received that well. But I genuinely believe that's just the that's just the nature of third parties, in my opinion. Like they're so focused on survivability and, and making money that you know a lot of the quality side of it sort of falls to the wayside. That's why PlayStation, that's Nintendo, and Xbox can spend their time and an effort on making just quality products rather than you know like just trying to like get games out the door so they can get money sort of thing. I think that's just a natural progression of all third parties. But what this has resulted in is that Square Enix have decided, in their infinite wisdom. And depending on how you look at it, that they don't want to deal with that anymore. That's like, you know what? We're getting rid of our Western studios. We are done. We have. Well, yeah, they're not even like going to invest. They did what they said they're going to spend it on was blockchain, AI, and the cloud, Mm. which sounds ludicrous, really, because you can't, for 300 million, I know it's a lot of money, but you can't really do much with that. Like, that won't go very far in terms of cloud gaming. Like, isn't doesn't Sony still use Microsoft for their tech on cloud gaming? Like Sony don't even have that infrastructure themselves. So Square Enix aren't gonna, you know, <laughs> just make that out of thin air. That that yeah. that costs a lot more money. So it's a bit odd that that's what they're saying they're spending the money on. Or do you think that was just an excuse? Like oh, we'll just say blockchain AI in the cloud, and then <laughs> it's just because we don't want to deal with those studios anymore that. We, th- we think isn't making us as much money as we thought they would. Do you reckon it's... Yeah. That's what, what, that's what, what it is all about. So to, I'll go over it real quick, but what um, Square Enix sort of said it was um, was to do with the, the blockchain. They want to sort of go after that a little bit more, obviously NFTs, that sort of stuff. I don't believe any of this for a second. I don't, I don't, I just don't. Um, because Square Enix have been bigging up the blockchain and NFT sort of thing for the past like four years, I think, straight pretty much. They Because they released these uh, New Year's sort of um, memos, I guess, from the CEO of Square Enix, and they release it to their uh, employees so they can say, this is what we're going to be focused on over the next year, this is what we did last year, et cetera, et cetera. Just to basically get people excited about their company. All third parties do this. We have our Ubisoft as well. Like the, we get we get random emails from our executives or whatever, like explaining like the direction that the company is going in. So we're sort of all on the same page. So with yeah. Square Enix, they they've been talking about NFTs for a while, and they 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 genuinely believe that the future of video games is going to go the NFT route and stuff like that. And that remains to be seen. Like I've got no idea. I've really got an opinion on it. Um, it's their technology is in its infancy either way. So we'll we'll see how that sort of pans out eventually like the blockchain itself is an interesting concept um in terms of the idea of it but like the implementation of it right now is obviously it's got a lot of questions for gamers and in terms of like they don't gamers writ large really don't like nfts that much at the moment um if that'll change over time who who the hell knows we'll see um the idea of blockchain being you know you can create user-generated content and then players within that ecosystem can buy the user-generated content from you via NFTs, and then it can like can move around and spread to like other players and stuff, so the players are earning money at the same time as the creator of the game itself are earning money, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, in theory, that's that's cool, but like there's it's it's got a long way to go, and I think Square Enix's um, excuse here was that they wanted to sort of look at that a little bit more and invest in that technology as much as possible. I don't believe it. For a second. What do you believe in? What do you think's happening? 
I think, if I'm being honest, is that Square Enix are shedding as much weight as they can so they can be lined up for a buyout. I think Sony are going to buy Square Enix before the end of the year. Ah. That's my prediction. Yeah, that makes sense. So they get rid of the Western studios so they look more um, Jap- like friendly to the Japanese sensibilities of Sony. It's a combination of that. Be... It's also like the IPs in particular of Square Enix, which they're shedding right now. So you look at Deus Ex, hmm. you look at Tomb Raider. Um, these games conflict with Sony quite a bit. So you yeah. look at Tomb Raider conflicting you with... You can't have Tony with Uncharted. Exactly. Ah. So Square Enix lined themselves up for PlayStation saying, hey, we're, we're cool to get bought out by PlayStation for X amount of money. And PlayStation like, yeah, but we can't really we can't really take on Tomb Raider right now because we can't really use that IP. So that's that's gonna devalue you. So you're not gonna so we're not gonna pay any extra money for that IP because we're not gonna use it anyway. So mm. you need to get rid of that one. And Deus Ex like sort of conflicts with whatever else they've got in the pipe. All that sort of stuff. Uh, it just makes sense in terms of how they're handling this. It's like the the price is weird to me. It's really weird. Three hundred million yeah, is way low. Yeah, three hundred million is very low. cheap. But wait, was read here the Final Fantasy VII remake only sold five million copies? <laughs> yeah, but it's Final Fantasy, so you know that doesn't. But so you're guessing it's, per- it's perceived value? What you said, what it comes back to, like. Yeah, I think honestly, I just think it's down to um, Square Enix are very much like interested in their own IP, obviously, because like it's their mm. babies, right? Like, so they're they're yeah. looking at Farmancy as like the golden child, like it can do no harm or anything like that. Um, but yeah. if the Avengers or like if the Tomb Raider games altogether have sold something like twenty million copies, like the the recent trilogy, anyway, across the whole franchise, yeah, which is by no means like low money like low numbers there like that that's like that's successful to any sort of third party which is operating under a 300 million dollar budget like that's a huge success in if anything yeah. so the fact yeah. that square enix look at that say okay those trilogy of games made sold 20 million copies but if farming seven remake can only sell five million then that's that's fine because that's square yeah. Enix. like that's division one baby like that's you know, so a lot of it is to do with perception, and a lot of it is to do with that that brand. So if if PlayStation can buy Square Enix and say, okay, like we get all of Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy alone is worth the money for Square Enix, because that's ultimately what yeah. um, PlayStation would that's be buying gem. is is yeah. Final Fantasy. It's the same thing with um, Activision Blizzard. Like Microsoft were buying Call of Duty, they weren't buying anything else. Like they weren't buying a company, yeah. they were buying that IP more than anything. Yeah. So like yeah. I yeah I strongly suspect this is this is PlayStation moving in to for the kill. Yeah. It's interesting that um this is a different technique than what we've seen recently in other acquisitions like selling off uh if that is the case then yeah it's interesting that we've just had Microsoft just buying people left right and center and um and then Square Enix are going down the sell sell what they perceive to be their deadwood off first. Maybe Sony maybe you're right then, maybe Sony's being picky with what they want to sell. They don't want to just take on the whole thing. Yeah, it's also money as well, right? Because like while we look at Microsoft and Sony to be equals upon the like the industry sort of playing field, or some people don't, some people might argue with that. Um it goes in the order of like Nintendo, PlayStation and Xbox sort of thing. Whatever. Right. Like people <laughs> yeah. people sort of look at these people guys. People have got their own 
idea of yeah you know, who's like on top. the fanboys or fanboy right um but the the reality is is that um nintendo and sony's sort of money pockets pockets aren't mm. that deep compared to microsoft like microsoft have money to to burn pretty much and they yeah. can just they can drop 70 billion acquisitions and and no no problem sort of thing it's absolutely fine um it's just a matter of it'll go through on the board and stuff like that and when we're talking about sony buying someone like bungie for example like single studios for multiple billions of dollars is like that's that's a big deal to sony in terms of like how much money they've sort of got to burn um yeah. we're talking about square enix down we're getting into double numbers there so it's over 10 billion that being the case then it's does sony have that sort of cash flow and the answer is no pretty much so they need to bring that price down as much as humanly possible which also supports this idea of like hey we can't afford square enix as it is right now like with all mm -hmm. the western studios that you've got the conflicts of interest in terms of their ip versus our ip all this sort of stuff like if you can get rid of your western studios then we'll consider it because then we can offer you this price for yeah for farm hunting or whatever right which right. sort of lines up with what what people have been sort of saying there was a few months ago as well or a couple of months ago there was uh, a rumor flying around that this was going to happen anyway from uh, jeff grubb and um Greg Miller of uh, Kind of Funny Games, like they were talking about this. They were like, yeah, we heard a rumor, but we can't confirm it sort of thing because like these acquisition deals are done at the very, very top and they very seldom leak at any point. Like yeah. we normally hear about them the day that they're happening or the day before because they have to inform more of their employees that this is going to happen before it goes public sort of thing. So we find mm. out usually within a day or two of this stuff is actually happening. So hearing a rumor like, you know, um, Square Enix is going to get bought out by PlayStation, was probably BS for the most part anyway, and they couldn't confirm it, but hmm. they did hear rumblings from separate people sort of thing. So it's been talked about, like it makes sense. It lines up, the timing's right. Uh, the money makes more sense than anything. It's really cheap time to buy to buy now, yeah. So it's yeah. just... And yeah. all the articles as well, bringing up the Ubisoft uh, thread as well. So like, just because there's like a oh, talk of acquisitions here, there and everywhere. Yeah. The Ubisoft name gets gets thrown into these these news articles that I've been reading as well. It's like, <laughs> oh, it looks like Ubisoft are poised for, for, for being sold also. Yeah. And that's like, the, that's the, that's the amount. But I think that's just based on the, the share price and stuff from what I can tell. Uh, obviously, you can't talk about it. You don't know anything. Sure, I mean, yeah, you don't even need to They're ask. not going to tell um, minions like us, <laughs> you know, especially no, no. like internally. So like if I speculate, and then it's, that's all it is. It's just speculation. Yeah. And like you just said, like the execs get told, you know, the day before it happens. So yep. you don't know anything. Um, yeah. So goes without saying, if you're coming here for leaks on this podcast, it comes to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because like that, that's <laughs> there is a counter argument to this whole like um, Sony um, and Square Enix thing. Uh, while just generally like as a as a Sony fan myself, like I, I own um, a PS5. With like the Sony T-shirt. Exactly. That's why I wore it today. Um, so like I've, I, Farmancy is one of my favorite IPs as well. So like to me, like Farmancy on sony's platform it does fit like it absolutely fits like in terms of like brand and things like that like if you if you think of farmancy like you're generally gravitating towards playstation at this point it's just they just sort of go hand in hand um yeah so that makes sense however the the big sort of 
but in this whole conversation is that PlayStation are not in the in the game of buying publishers. They'll buy individual studios and they'll do it quite often and quite well and it's all based on the the sort of quality level or they want a very specific thing out of specific people. So like they bought mm. Bungie for their live services, like their experience in live services and that's pretty <coughs> much it. Yeah. Like how they handled Destiny and Destiny 2 and as an independent sort of party, like they looked at that and said, we want a live service game. We don't know how to do it properly. These are the guys to do it. We should buy Bungie. And it was a good get to like, as in terms of like market warfare with Microsoft and stuff, like buying Bungie, that was a big, yeah, sort of, that was a blow. That's a bit of a blow, but it's yeah. like, I get it. Like they still own the, the Halo IP. So it's still, yeah. Yeah. They didn't buy Halo. Right. Yeah. That, that, would, that would have been weird. That would have been very strange, but the the point is is that Sony are very much in in the market for buying individual studios and not buying like whole publishers out like it's never happened before and it'll be very surprising if they do. But the the whole conversation around like Microsoft buying Bethesda and Activision and stuff sort of softened that opinion between a lot of people recently. Yeah, and people are starting to think you know what Sony might it's not, start. It's not unbelievable. Yeah, mm. they might start like it's not it's not so unbelievable anymore. It's sort of like yeah. It's just at, at this point they're trying to survive, and mm. they're trying to make as much money as they possibly can. And if and if Microsoft sweep in and, and take someone like Square Enix, which I don't think would ever happen anyway, I just don't think Square Enix would accept that because it would just be a weird acquisition for them. Um, because uh, Xbox just does not sell in Japan whatsoever, and it's a very no, it's it, it'd be a very strange sort of acquisition anyway. But, yeah. So you are you excited about these potential games that could could be you know the IPs are you know could be sold off and uh, well they could be have something done with them you know the the IP side of things like uh, anything there like Deus Ex Thief Soul Reaver any any of those float your boat yeah this is a weird one I mean because like Tomb Raider is like the the big one because I love Tomb Raider. Um, I've always loved the Tomb Raider IP. Like this, it's something near and dear to my heart because it was like one of the first games I played on Sega Saturn, like back in the day, and playing that on the original PC and stuff. Like you, you always have strong sort of memories to that. Yeah. So it's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, like I'm always, I'm always curious what they do with that, and that being an Embracer Group is probably going to continue on the same path that it's on right now, which is fine. Like that's it, mm. like the new Tomb Raider games, they're fine. They're, they're, they're good games. They're not amazing. They're not great. They don't blow you out of the water, but they're fine. Like they're, they're good games. Yeah. Um, to For the potential of new games coming back though, yeah, it's things like um, Soul Reaver and things like Legacy of Kane, oh, right? Like yeah. if they're, I'm not sure who owns those IPs and I'm not sure if they're still under those studios or what because like if that's the case then that would suck because then like a, a remake or a remaster might be out of the question at that point unless it's yeah. like third party remake or remaster which rarely ever do well anyway yeah i really want one though i mean i was just thinking when when i heard the news and i was thinking about how good like 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 soul reaver was like see came back in the day yeah. and um i know i thought is that the first like proper 3d game to have like a, a glider mechanic in it is it like way before like Zelda, um, Breath of the Wild, like people think that that was one of the first like glider games. Yeah. And it's like, no, mate, like Soul Reaver back in the day. Yeah, and so, it had, you know, and it was tied into the lore as well. It was really clever. 
Um, so anyone that doesn't know, go play that game because it's freaking awesome. Like, oh, don't because like nostalgia has been very out. kind to that game. Um, True, I don't think I played uh, yeah. it recently. It's probably just looked like a hot mess, but I remember <laughs> yeah. being absolutely thrilled with it back in the day. Yeah, and, that was uh, yeah, um, the fact that it all tied in with the law was great. I loved it. Yeah, I think that was um, Amy Hennig's um, first um, game, and she obviously went on to make uh, Uncharted. So like that was that was her claim to fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, Soul Reaver is near and dear to my heart, so hopefully they, they do something with that one day, like either a remake or a remaster of some kind. That'd be great. But I think a remaster would be good. I think, yeah, a remake. I, probably, I think a remake would do that game well because I don't even think you could remaster it now because it's just so old. Sorry, that's, that, I think that's what I meant to say. Did I say remake or remaster? I said remaster. Oh, I meant remake. Sorry, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you want to... We've come so far since then that it would be silly to, yeah. There's things now that any like a junior game dev can go, why why have they made the map look like that? We need to make it look like this for this reason. And it's but they were pioneering. There we know, yeah. They were doing things that no one had done before. The tropes weren't invented yet. I remember it was one of the first times like moving a box around and like using light and stuff, and like using triggers and opening doors and things. And I was thinking, wow, this is really cool. This is new. I've never seen anything like this. And now that's all just like part and parcel of video games but back in the day it was kind of it did it, it did new. set a lot of um precedence for uh, action adventure basically like mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of what we do now and like you play you play games like god of war and horizon and things like this and it's just like yeah you're gliding around you're triggering you know triggers and pressure switches and things and like even, even my favorite game of all time which is eco um like you yeah like you're pretty much doing all the stuff that you're doing in soul reaver Pretty much. So there's except gli- except gliding. Except gliding. Yeah. Although in in Shadow of the Colossus you actually do. Oh yeah 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 yeah. There is a you can unlock a um, parachute and you like like I, I will continuously go on this rant but Breath of the Wild stole so much from Shadow of the Colossus so much like there's got to be a video out there like showing this sort of stuff. But yeah, there's there's a lot like even the uh, stamina yeah. wheel like totally stolen from. Shadow of Colossus. Anyway, I digress, like going off my little rant. Um, yeah, the, I just, like none of this really makes that much business sense to me other than, like the, if, if Square Enix are telling the truth, that's way sadder to me, if, if, if I'm being yeah. totally honest. Like if they are saying, yeah, we're just getting rid of our Western studios because we messed it up and we don't know how to handle them and we really do just want to like lean into the blockchain stuff. So we're going to do that with Farmancy and all that sort of stuff. If that's true, then that's going to be like, that's that that hurts it's rubbish that's so yeah that's a terrible reason but if it does turn out that playstation are making a move here and this is their big sort of foot in the door for acquisitions and and them sort of taking this a bit more seriously then well maybe yeah, yeah maybe the sony execs were like say st- some stupid reasons that people won't like you for as to why you're selling the studios because that will reduce your share price even more because people will think <laughs> that you're like incompetent <laughs> yeah and then that will make it even cheaper, and then we're more likely to buy you. <laughs> yeah, I guess because they, like, obviously they, they have to set themselves up properly for, as you said, the share prices and stuff. And if, if they're, yep. they don't want to bring any attention to them, if it is an acquisition by Sony of Square Enix, then they don't want to bring any attention to that. So then being consistent okay, yeah. to say why, like, this is probably a good reason. Um, yeah. Yeah, who That's knows? Com- yeah, they might have had to come up with a reason and that might be the best thing they could have thought of. Yeah, could it be that. Yeah, it's very Or strange. it's true and they're just idiots. <laughs> yeah, 
which is also you know potentially true but i i think your theory is i think your theory is probably i i, I agree with that i think that's probably what's happening um but yeah we've been talking about this for like half hour now i think we've probably we kept i think unless there's anything else you want to cover no not really i think i'm i think i'm pretty good with it but yeah just overall like i i mean this the the, the acquisition sort of market is going to continue like this, this will not be the last one. There'll be many, many more. Like you, you've mentioned that Ubisoft are obviously going through that right now. Like they're sort of half setting themselves up for defense and half setting themselves up for a sale. Um, it's it's mm. very strange and confusing. Um, there's a lot of people that are just like, they're they're trying to open up the negotiation negotiation gates at this point. Just saying, okay, how much are you going to offer us? Like we just want to see sort of thing. And if the money, yeah. if, if the price is high enough, then it's going to be, that's where it gets really interesting but like yeah we're going through this phase of consolidation right now and this is just another uh, bullet point on that list and the consolidation is going to continue because we're more moving towards these services instead of individual products anymore we're not we're not talking about like oh you buy a game for 60 dollars and then you play the game and then it's over sort of thing we're, we're talking about this netflix model the game pass yeah playstation plus um nintendo are obviously in that game as well with their retro stuff it's yeah. only a matter of time before they shift off into their new stuff as well. They start including this into their Nintendo Online service. So, like, well, this is going to be the future. This is the way we're going. So, like, and these consolidations it's a bit are scary. Sort of, yeah, the, the, these consolidations are like moving more towards that, and that's why this is happening. It's yeah. not people aren't just suddenly getting greedy. Like, this is there's a reason for this moving and, towards a, th a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, content is king and exclusivity is king when it comes to those services. Like I, I would have I would have said the opposite a few years ago before these services exist. I really don't think that exclusives really drive that much in sales. Like uh, people say that a lot, but I just I I never saw that before. Like it was just okay, God of War sells ten million units, sort of thing, and it's like there's a hundred million PlayStation fours out there. It's like it just doesn't really line up, sort of thing. Like, and it never did. Uh, and uh, but now with these live service models, exclusivity is going to come in really importantly. Especially like you look at Netflix, Stranger Things, like the fact that that's not on Hulu or you know, like all like yeah, Sky or anything. Sky or anything. Yeah, like it's like HBO Max and things like that. They get their own things. And like the the reason why HBO bought Friends, like the the TV show is so they could put it on their live service and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of bananas yeah. to think about that sort of stuff, but that's, that's, the, that's what we're talking about here. This is why exclusivity is king. And that's why this is definitely not going to slow down. And I genuinely believe the Square Enix is next and they're going to, yeah, they're going like, to sweep up. Good for indie devs though. Cause that means that, that people want to be buying, you know, content and getting exclusivity deals and stuff like that. Whereas before that wasn't so much of a problem or it wasn't so much of a, a want for for any of the studios but now uh not studios for the you know sony or xbox or yeah yeah the, the platforms yeah, the platforms yeah but now now it is they want exclusivity and they want deals and they want content yeah i was so reading something the other day about that in terms of like how because like at the moment where like indie devs are in this weird sort of in-between zone of like they're not treated the same way as like the triple a's sort of thing and, and deals that they get or like if they show up on the front page of steam and things like this but with these sort of live services do you do you think that we're going to like i say we because like indie developers do you think indies are going to be treated the same way as they are right now or do you think it's going to be 
we're going to be put in the same pool as the big guys like eventually because of these live services it's like okay this new indie game is out and we're on the front page sort of thing no i think it's probably going to be more like growing pains if anything to, until until the dust settles a bit more and and processes and systems can get up and running and f- to find a, like a happy medium mm. because we're still reeling i think from like the indie apocalypse from was it 2014 2017 yeah um so we're still reeling from that because we've had people that were doing that job for decades that had to do something else because they couldn't get enough money and then you've got the the amount that the, the on steam the amount that gets released is just growing like not quite exponentially but it's like growing year on year the amount of games that get released so we need to find some sort of um what's the word like equilibrium and where the big and where the big platforms come in uh what i'm thinking is that they'll have um similar to like what the uh meta what are they called the like ambassadors yeah where they'll have they had set something up as part of facebook and, and meta uh with the quest to get the content released to x amount of people all at the same time everyone gets all the free stuff everyone gets the keys and it's like a service they provide so that the quality coming out the back is um is is to a higher standard because not everyone's scrabbling around for keys and not everyone's scrabbling around to, to developers i think what the i think what the, the big platforms are going to do is come up with something similar where they'll have they'll have to employ people to like sort out indie devs or like maybe the the smaller publishers will grow uh, and they might get brought or out and act independently. Yeah. So instead of like third party studios existing, you've got like publishers existing, and so you'd have like third you'd have publishers that are owned by the studios, and they'll like foster and grow small uh, indie indie studios, including like solo people. Yeah. And I think that's probably the way it's gonna go, but it's gonna be more structured and systemized and processed uh, and things like that put in uh, you know even down to like getting uh like uh kits for for studios and maybe even solo devs like they'll be sending out uh you know like what they're called with a the dev kits just dev kit yeah dev kits yeah they're sending out dev kits to to people and things like that i think that's that's my ideal version of where it can go yeah i mean some head. studios are i'm sort of already invested in this and they've started doing that as well and there's well-established like publishers that do that like fully already which is places like a uh, playstation like i'm not gonna blow the horn too much but there's like the head of uh, indie um games on the playstation platform is run by shuya yoshida who used to run the the whole of playstation but that was handed off to herman Holtz to handle all the triple a stuff and now um yoshida works on the just the indie side and he like he what you basically just described is exactly what he does in terms mm. of like he finds like indie games and he and he like gives them a budget and then provides them with the resources and tools that they need to be able to bring their games to uh, PlayStation, whatever, like either first party exclusive wise or mostly third party, I guess. Like they, they're normally there to help out with that so they can get them to uh, fruition. But Yoshida seems to be like quite an advocate for that style of um, like working as a publisher. I know like there's other publishers out there that are, are absolutely like investing in this as well. Like uh, Gearbox Interactive, I think they have a, a publishing arm that deals with indies quite a bit there's there's other places like other big AAA people also like obviously idea xbox um they yeah. also have an indie incentive um like indie development 
at Xbox, yeah. I guess that's what ID sort of stands for. So there, there, it is there in its infancy. It's just how do we, like as an industry, build that out even more so it's a bit more, as you said, like we bring this sort of equilibrium of indie devs so they're on the same not the same obviously like if you're if it's a massive triple a game that's worth like three times as much or whatever like yeah, yeah. you want to promote those a little bit more like i understand that but like just even giving indie developers a little bit more of a chance to be seen because there is so damn many yeah. of us now like there's just like it's well marketing is yeah we wish we, there's lots of evidence to show that the more marketing that's spent on even the smallest indie game can have huge huge you know profit for the little guy it just doesn't have as much of a profit for the the big the big people but yeah there is something to be said for yeah more marketing and getting thrown thrown away i think we could do with that yeah. and it might be a solution to like the indie apocalypse that could that could solve that problem that could that could get the income that that people need it's just the good ones aren't uh, don't get enough publishing don't get enough marketing yeah it's tough because like this whole like the the terms that we use for indie developers and things like that, like the way that we throw this sort of stuff around quite a lot of the time in terms of when we call people in indie, like nine times out of 10, they're not actually independent they're whatsoever. Not, yeah. Like they're no. actually, they're actually funded by a publisher, which is like, yeah, are published. you indie at that point? Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's, 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 it's bonkers, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about, it's more about that and the stability of stuff. Like if we are, if they are actually not indie, like we need to get out of this habit of calling them indie just based on how the game looks. Like, oh, it's pixel art, it must be an indie game straight away. Like, yeah. and it's that sort. Of, like, if we can get out of that mindset, then they might be treated a little bit differently. I don't mean they're being poorly treated. They're just. It's like you said. It's all about marketing, the attention that they sort of get. Like they don't hmm. get as much sort of marketing clout in terms of, you know, like where the where the game's shown, or like when it's released, and things like that. And like uh, Xbox are doing quite a good job of that, just purely out of the. Um, out of the game pass sort of model which they've got going on right now which is like hey a new game has been released if it if it just happens to be indie it's thrown in the same pool with all the other stuff that's on game pass so you like yeah. as you're looking through you're just it's it's quite equal in that respect like, i think xbox do a better job than playstation at the moment yeah yeah right now i i, I would agree with that it's just yeah I, I would like to see more of that like industry-wide at least and as long yeah. as there's a bar of quality that's sort of been met you know because obviously we don't want to just open the floodgates and let every single every single indie game come through because like there's like, obviously like what happened with steam exactly yeah. yeah because it just gets flooded by not bad games everyone everyone's entitled to their opinions on all these sorts of titles right but in terms of uh th there does need to be a bar of quality because I, we've seen this on um nintendo's platform in particular their their storefront is just rife with absolute garbage like to be blunt there's a lot of shovelware on there and a lot of people you, it, it's hard to argue with that there is there is a lot of stuff that's either half built or it's half done and that whole like the the myth of the nintendo quality of seal uh seal mm. of quality sorry has sort of fell by the wayside over the last few years and it's just they're sort of letting anything through so as long as we've got that bar of quality we can absolutely leave we can we can have that equilibrium of like okay if you're in the door then you're in sort of thing and that's yeah that's that's when you're sort of treated the same as AAA in terms of like the marketing power that we've got and when your game is released it will be on the front page and stuff like that so hmm. who knows like hope, hopefully it is just growing pains hopefully it will sort of um, shake out so it is a little bit more even and fair across the industry though yeah hopefully so yeah and all these acquisitions means that you know things things are happening things are moving stuff's changing yeah jobs are happening 
uh, departments could be springing up. It's not it's not unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, do we want to go about? Oh yeah. So you've got uh, you've got a new um, a new IP uh, in your studio. Oh yeah, yeah. We well, do. an old an old IP. Yeah. Well. Uh... A returning IP, you could say. Returning IP, yeah. So Prince of Persia is back at Ubisoft Montreal. Indeed. Yeah, it was in um, Mumbai, was it? Uh, um, no, it's uh, Ubisoft Pune, Pune, P-U-N-E. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I apologize. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so it looks like it's had more trouble because it, it ran into trouble when they released a load of gameplay and everyone laughed at all the textures. Yeah. Yeah. Happens. And so then they changed hands and then now it's changed hands again. So uh, yeah, and it was delayed indefinitely. Uh oh, they said it was sometime in twenty 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 two was the last update we got. Right. Yeah. So it was moved from March twenty twenty one to indefinitely in February and then June it was given a new release of sometime in twenty two. I mean like now, indefinite indefinite delays don't mean that it's just like oh it's been put on ice and we don't know what to do with this sort of thing that generally doesn't mean that so like it means they just can't figure out when it's going to be done yeah they just don't want to put a date on it but they needed to delay it like same thing happened with uh, last of us part two right that was delayed indefinitely and then two months later it was like yeah it's out next month sort of thing and it was like okay this is weird right. and that, right, that right, happens right. so it's just i wouldn't read too deeply into the indefinite bit like that just generally means oh, okay. that yeah, we have no idea when it's going to be done and we don't want to put a number on it because we don't want to be wrong so about it. So I guess that. the new studio has to get their hands on it, have a look at it, see what shape yeah, it's in, yeah, make decisions, and then those decisions will impact the release date, obviously. Yeah. What's going to be saved, what's going to be scrapped, what's going to be redone, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, it's a remake anyway, so it's it's pretty straightforward what the game is going to be, I would assume. Um, I, I don't know anything about it. Like, I don't even think anything's moved internally in terms of like how this has been sort of handled yet. It's just... Yeah, it's it's Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. It won Game of the Year when it first came out. It sort of put Ubisoft Montreal on the map after Splinter Cell. Uh, yeah. So it it's a big IP. Um, it was it was the thing that sort of made the studio that I'm in. So the fact that it's returning wow. to the studio is, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that's weird for me, well, not weird. But the, on, the only thing which I, I feel bad for at this point is the the folks over in uh, Ubisoft in India that were working mm-hmm. on this, that have sort of had this taken, like the leadership side of it anyway has sort of been taken away from them. And now now it's going to be sort of taken over by Ubisoft in Montreal, which it, it was it theirs in the first place um, and stuff like that. I, I really don't yeah. know the answers to these things. Like I, I don't know who's running the project. I haven't seen anything of this game since it's released, uh, since it was shown, sorry, last so I'm yeah. I'm completely in the dark with you on this, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah. That's weird when you put it in that context. Like, Ubisoft Montreal released Splinter Cell, and then they released Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Good what, times. Like, when? What happened? When? <laughs> like, how? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what? What? What other studio can you think? Man, they just nailed it out of the park twice. Mm. And don't say, not, we're not going to say Naughty Dog, but I know some of the people listening will be like, oh, Last of Us 1 and 2. Um, but like, I mean, I mean, firstly, I mean good games. And then secondly, 
both both good games and right. then uh i mean like you know different ips one after the other like cultural cornerstones yeah bangers. that's just crazy but it was like that back yeah. then right like this yeah i mean we're talking yeah. like 2001 2002 that sort of era like yeah. there wasn't many third parties that weren't knocking it out of the park back then like you look at yeah final fantasy 9 and final fantasy 10 from square like they're just like these juggernauts of games it's just like jesus where do they where do they come from you know like the first yeah the first call of duties that came out around that time as well there's just like absolute like ip Metal defining yeah like generation defining games are all just coming out one after the other like the, i think um wind waker was out around that time as well um just absolute beasts so like it was very part of the course of the rest of the industry and i don't know if that was just a product of their time and the talent that was going around and are we just nostalgic with how it how it was does that too right could be like we really yeah. don't know maybe maybe if we went back and played these games in 2001 we'd find that you know they're really on that great <laughs> you know it's maybe. just like that's just what we were this is what we had and the standards have changed sort of thing so i, I really don't know yeah but it's it's hard to deny that splinter cell and um sands of time weren't amazing games because they were like they they absolutely put Ubisoft on the map so the fact that they're remaking both of these games is fascinating at the same time yeah yeah um through yeah. two of the um, North American studios so it's yeah it it's it's just a very weird situation I feel bad for the Indian teams because like they've obviously been working hard on this thing for the last couple of years and that's been taken away from mm. them for whatever reason yeah like internal strife it could be Maybe it was being mishandled. Maybe it wasn't up to the same quality as what they thought it was going to be. It could be anything. I really don't know. Like, and and I don't think anyone does know until it probably come out at some point. Because as we all know, like, there's a few things that are certain in this world: uh, death, taxes, and Ubisoft leaks. So it's <laughs> yeah, it probably it probably will come out why this happened, like yeah. eventually. But yeah. for the time being, I would hope that it's as innocent as humanly possible, <laughs> and it isn't. Like at the end of the day, like as as yeah, as bad yeah. as I feel for Ubisoft India, it's sort of one of those weird things that you know, like when should Ubisoft sort of step in and, and demand a certain level of quality from whatever? Like I, I really don't know. Like it's it's a strange situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one. It's always sad when that has to happen. Um and the question yeah, and we don't know what state it is in now to change hands. Yeah, we don't know how much is politics, we don't know how it's management yeah so there's a lot unknown all we know is this that it's moved yeah and yeah yeah we want to know more we want to know more so then just have a chat with some people at work i apologize i I will i'll try i'll try and get, i'll yeah. try and get more info just for the podcast yeah that'd be good that'd be great <laughs> now there, there was a uh there was an official message from the um official uh twitter account i can read that out real fast yeah, yeah. So the development of Prince of Persia Sands of Time's remake will now be led by Ubisoft Montreal, the very first, the very birthplace of the epic Sands of Time trilogy. Uh, this decision is an important step, and the team uh, building upon the work achieved by Ubisoft Pune, Pune, Pune? God, I feel really terrible. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, and uh, Ubisoft Mumbai uh, will now take the time they need to regroup on the scope of the game to deliver the best experience for this remake. Uh, of an all-time classic when it's ready we want to thank you and all of our uh, we want to thank you and your continued support and your patience through the development rest assured that we will update on the progress in a future update by the development team that's kind of broad but yeah that's that's the uh that's the official statement so we just had a whole conversation about this this like 
yeah, it's just it's very cut and dry. They're moving it to another studio. That's it. Like I, I, that's all there is to say. Yeah. That is the rules to say. But yeah, that's it. Um, and then briefly, uh, the Nintendo thing, which I thought would have been bigger. And we talked about this in the pre-show. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo um, can do no wrong, sir. Nintendo can do no wrong, but there was an article that that started to badmouth Nintendo. So Nintendo contractors report harsh working environments. That's from gamesindustry.biz. And um, I did read the article, and um, the the contractors are being treated like second-class citizens. Quote, uh, to quote, yeah. to quote, some people who work there, and so the fact that that's being said by someone there it's really it's not it's not fun um so we talked as well that they, they were being given 11 month contracts with a mandatory two month break between contracts and that's so that they don't have to offer them full-time contracts and you said Vin, that, that they're probably doing that at the end of a, a launch so that they then get two months of not paying devs that are going to sit around and, and not do much while they're putting together the next concept for the next game yeah like not, not to say that like obviously games don't come out once a year um yeah bang on time like between contracts and stuff but i can imagine there's some of that somewhere yeah know. yeah and um the hourly rate's different so 16 pounds an hour for the contractors and 20 sorry dollars 16 dollars an hour for contractors and 20 dollars an hour for proper nintendo employees mm. um and there's been other bits and bobs as well so not being listened to and not having opportunities obviously um general feeling that they're being punished for uh, for being outspoken at every level <laughs> so uh yeah um which, which to me it was really surprising um because i didn't think that that sort of thing happened these days i thought the the conditions were better. I thought that companies were, yeah, on like trying to make sure that employees were happy. Um, Nintendo don't want bad press, but they got a bit. They te- they never get bad press, so it's the first tiny little bit of bad press. But it kind of went unnoticed, and no one was really talking about it on Twitter. That's the problem with us. Uh, like I yeah. I I know what article you're referencing, and I I think I got like. A paragraph into it before I closed it because I was sort of annoyed. Um, when I, because when I first heard about this, like I've worked in Japanese game studios before, and granted, the Japanese game studio which I worked in was not that bad. Like it was, like it was pretty decent compared to others. Um, in my time in Japan, I heard a lot of horror stories, a lot from various different companies, and I worked in Osaka. So like we're talking people around us, um, Platinum Games, Nintendo, uh, Square Enix. Places like this, Capcom was a big one, Konami, huge, huge companies. And I know a couple of people that work at um, From Software as well um, that work on the Souls games. And they have a, if you want to hear some horror stories, like go, go and Google some from them. But like there's the Japanese games industry is notoriously bad. Like within the development yeah. community, we sort of understand that. And we, and we hear these stories and we're like, wow, this is really terrible. Like there'll be one day where you know the media will pick this up and they'll just stop focusing on the Western studios for five minutes, like that have much lesser problems. Not to say that we should ignore the Western studios either, absolutely not. But there should be some sort of form of focus on the Japanese studios, like if we really care about this sort of stuff. And when I saw this headline of like, oh, Nintendo employees are, are treated poorly, I was like, oh my god, it's finally happening. 
And then mm. you get one paragraph in, and then you realize that they're talking about a Western Nintendo studio. And it's just like, yeah. oh, you were like, it was right there. Like you, you had the ball on the tee and you, like you just hit it off like right there and you couldn't do it sort of thing. And it just infuriates me that they're, they're talking about, because like comparatively compared to the stories I've heard from uh, Nintendo in Japan versus these Nintendo America accusations, it's night and day. Like we're, we're mm. talking way worse in, in Japan. So it's sort of like nuts to me that we're focusing on the lesser of the, lesser of the issues in, in, in that respect. So it's very strange. Yeah. But so is that not to say that we should ignore them. Following up with like who else is having these problems and, and they're not going over to contacts in Japan to find out the stories, or is it that the Japanese culture is so different that the Japanese people aren't speaking out and aren't prepared to go to the press to badmouth Nintendo because they love Nintendo? The, like, what the do you mass, think? The, like the, the majority of the reason why is that last reason that you just gave. It's a cultural thing. So in Japan, it is very, very frowned upon to complain. It's like it just like on a societal level. Like if you complain about sort of stuff, it's like, ah, oh, shogunai, like it can't be helped. Like don't complain about that sort of thing. Like if, if it's something that, but like the, the annoying thing is whenever like you hear a Japanese person say shogunai, like nine times out of 10, it is something that can be helped. It's just, they don't want to because it will be an uncomfortable situation for them to try and rectify or like it'll expose someone else and, 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 and bring someone else down and stuff. And they don't want to be perceived as a negative, like drama queen, like person that, you know, creates these issues. Like they, they want to fit in, they want to conform, they want to, you know, be a part of the machine sort of thing. This is why, like when the whole thing happened with uh, Kojima and uh, Konami, like when that happened, when Kojima was fired, uh, for lack of a better term, he was quote unquote let go. or he was like asked to resign as they say, um, there's a reason why we've never heard the fallout of that. There's a reason why we've never heard what happened. We will never hear what happened ever yeah. because Kojima is Japanese and he does not snitch. He does not talk. He does not create drama. And that's nothing to do with Kojima as a person, which it is to some level, but for the vast majority of that is the fact that he is Japanese and Japanese people don't complain. They don't stir up rumors. They don't tell stories and stuff like that. They do sometimes, obviously. Like there's the, there's the odd stories that get out, but as a general sort of rule cultural thing they don't they don't generally do that so like when if people are crunching if people are, are literally killing themselves over working too much um no one will talk about it fun fact japan has one of the highest suicide rates on the planet it's a good reason for that but no one's talking about it um we're talking about crunch we're talking about social pressure we're talking about these issues which are constantly ignored yeah, we give games like Elden Ring 97s on Metacritic. But who cares if they have to sleep at their desk? Who cares if they're literally killing themselves trying to finish these games for us? Got mm. a 97, right? But, you know, if a game gets a 7 out of 10 by another studio, then we should attack them until no end because they make bad games and they treat their employees bad. But if someone makes good games and they treat their employees bad, then, oh, yeah. that's what it takes. Yeah. That little slice of the gamer that mindset that, that gamers standard. have yeah. drives me insane. And that that it's that right there which annoys the hell out of me. So when they do call out these places, when they're calling out places like Ubisoft, when they're calling out places like Activision, when they're calling out places like over and over and over again, you have to ask yourself, it's like, okay, what studios promote good work ethics and, and please give me an example of, of, of like the perfect sort of setup for a developer because they clearly have a good understanding of what mm -hmm. this is in their head but they sort of ignore it when it comes to games that they really enjoy. 
Like, yeah. let's just ignore the fact that Naughty Dog are just have a rotating door of people constantly leaving because the crunch is so awful. Yeah. Let's yeah. just ignore that because, you know, part because two is great. Because they make great games. You know, yeah. Very strange. Drives me insane. Yeah. And yeah. There's double standards. So it looks like we're never, are we ever going to have a story breaking about Japanese working conditions? No. Ever? Or is it going to be Westerners working in Japan? Yeah, because they're, they're pretty much the only sort of problems. And this is the reason why we're hearing about this Nintendo thing, right? It's like the reason why is because... Um, yeah, Westerners spoke to journalists about the working conditions yes. in the and Western studio. Like one yeah. of the complaints was in, in the article was that, you know, they, they, couldn't, they didn't have a voice, right? Like they, mm. they tried to say something to management at Nintendo about whatever they're working on. And mm. Nintendo didn't like that, so they pushed them out. Probably that's what happened. Sounds very familiar to Japan. It happens yeah. a lot. Like you don't complain, you don't give suggestions. All you say is yes, and you take direction. You and you do it, which is great in some circumstances. If you have a good leader, and you have someone that is very true to their vision, then mm. that works beautifully. But if people have genuine suggestions that actually do need to be listened to, then I can imagine how extremely frustrating that must be for a Westerner because they're not used yeah. to it in, in a Japanese mindset. And again, that sort of pertains to like the whole Square Enix thing and um, Eidos Montreal stuff, right? Like there's probably going to be a lot of things that were coming out of those studios where Square Enix were like, ah, no, we don't really like that sort of thing. And Square Enix like, well, we want to change this. And they're like, why do they keep persisting with this? Like, why, why don't they just like say yes and just carry on with what we've told them to do sort of thing? And they... Like I can imagine that back and forth contribute to the fact that these games didn't get received very well because of that back and forth. So there's there's a lot of weird sort of dynamics around this, and like with the with the Nintendo thing especially because it, like right there you've got Nintendo of Japan, and we're focusing on Nintendo of America problems. Very strange. Yeah, because well, it mentions in the in there that they felt pressured to like meet to match the work quota that the the Japanese colleagues were doing in Japan. There you go. So they feel the, pl the pressure to do, to be as productive. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things where yeah, and you you've got experience working in Japan. You worked at um, Jap Japanese. Yeah, I mean, because uh, that's studio. the thing. Like Western studio, like every single Western studio that you work in 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 twenty twenty two, crunch is one hundred percent. It has to be by law in a lot of these places. It has to be optional. And mm. overtime is even to that extent. Um, it's very optional. It's not like, hey, if, if you want to stay an extra like couple of hours every night, then it's very optional. And no one can hold you accountable if you don't. You won't lose out on promotions if you don't. Like that's the, that's the mindset that we've sort of gotten ourselves into. Japan doesn't have any of that. It's like the average workday in Japan is like 11 hours in a Japanese game studio. So it, yeah, it, it's like, it, it's nuts. Like there's, I, I've, I've lost count of the amount of times I've seen Japanese people sleeping at desks. Um, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm being genuinely serious. Like it's, it's very common to have, um, to see pillows inside of um, Japanese games developers drawers so they can go to sleep on their desk whenever they've like worked too much. Um, it's just this, there's so many cultural mindset things, which are just completely different in Japan compared to the West. Like mm. um, it's for the longest time, like if you speak to the average salary man, like if, he will not leave the office until his boss is going to leave. And there's things like that. So if the boss stays until 11 p.m., 
you're sure as hell staying until 11 p.m. Doesn't matter if you haven't got any work, you're just staying because that's a respectful thing to do. That's what you're supposed to do. How does anyone have any life, like social They life? don't. That's the point. Or what if they make plans for dinner and things? Shogun I now. See where oh it comes in? And it's that over and over again. It's like, oh, I can't be helped. Like, oh, come out there now. Like, do, do your best. Like, you need to, you need to push through and, and, and do the best you can. And, and it's things like this. And this all contributes to this culture of like pressure cooker yeah of everyone just overworking and this is why you have high suicide rates this is why um japanese people are out the door for for 12 to 14 hours a day like from door to door like getting home this this is why it's because of these problems and it's like this all of this contributes to this culture that is sort of seeping out to western studios now and when you get like all these American developers or North American developers, um, um, obviously people from all over the world probably work there, that are seeing the Japanese counterpart working X amount of hours and they're just like, oh crap, like they, it's not that they're getting more work done, they're just like perceived to be working more. Cause that's, that's one of the other weird things about Japan. It's like, yeah, people are working a lot more, but they're not getting as much work done a lot of the time because they're one, overworked and they're all yeah. exhausted. And two, it's because, like it's it's just about the perception of you working hard Putting rather hard than working. you actually working hard, which is a weird yeah. thing to sort of grasp around. But as long as you're seen to be working hard and you you are seen to be a hard working member of society, then you are a good worker. It doesn't matter how well you do, and a lot of seniority is is purely down to not how much experience you got, but how long you've been in the job. Um, so like naturally like the the people at the top are old dudes that have been in the company for 50 years and the super talented people with like a bunch of awesome ideas that are actually going to propel the company way forward are stuck at the bottom below minimum wage that's that's the reality of it and they have to work their way up through years of service sort of thing literally years of service <laughs> so it's just it's it, it infuriates me whenever i see these articles because it just exposes this it, it, it exposes that lack of knowledge around the games industry, especially in Japan, because there's, there's a lot of problems over there. And all you have to, like, it's all service level as well. You can look this stuff up. It's around. Like, you can yeah. find, because we have, we have um, websites where employees leave reviews for the companies that they've left anonymously. Like, things like Glassdoor, like Japan has their own as well. I'm sure you could use yeah. Google Translate to find a few. Um, LinkedIn as well, I've started doing reviews for companies. Things like this. So if you, if you go into Glassdoor or something, you find um, reviews from Western developers, and you absolutely will, you'll learn some stuff. And it's it's terrifying. Some of it is just like, this is bad, like way, way, way worse than the West. Not to say, again, not to say that we should ignore the Western stuff. Um, yeah. But in addition... They both need to be reported. Both, yeah. In addition, we need to talk about this sort of stuff because it's, it's very inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real shame. And uh, to be honest, when I was reading the article, I, I thought this, this was going to be worse. Like, mm. I was expecting more dirt to be found out. Yeah. Not not to say that I was surprised, oh, Nintendo don't treat their employees as bad as this, and I was expecting them to be worse, but I was just expecting that journalists would do a bit more digging and, you know, no. the, the article wasn't, you know, knowing, because of us having conversations and knowing these sort of things... I was surprised that, yeah, 
the journalist didn't come up with something more juicy. Like it wasn't, it'd be easier for them to find something more juicy than what, what was written. Yeah. It's just because we're in this weird mindset as well. Like journalists are painfully aware of like the zeitgeist sort of um, scale of respect at this point. And it sounds like a strange thing, but they understand that companies like Nintendo and PlayStation can quote unquote do no wrong. So it doesn't yeah. matter how badly they treat their sort of employees. And uh, that's not like the journalistic thing. That's very much on a gamer level. Like gamers will defend these companies until the end of time sort of thing. It, yeah. it doesn't matter like how badly they yeah. treat their They can be doing employees. illegal things all day long yeah. and they'll still be the fanboys going, you should have just shut up and enjoyed it because it's Sony or exactly. it's Nintendo. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and there's that and they are painfully aware of that. And if they like for them to even say this much about Nintendo is sort of surprising to me because like oh yeah they, it's the first time that shots been fired that I can think of in a long long time yeah even though there's videos out there like you go back to like the 90s and stuff like Nintendo forced all of their employees to wear suits like you know what I mean and it's stuff like this which people just ignore like they're just like wait what like they 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 had to wear suit like it was an office sort of thing it's like yeah they were treated like salarymen they weren't treated like developers there was no like casual thursday or something you came in and a tie and a, and a jacket and stuff like that wow and it's just it's a different world sort of thing and people like gamers in particular are very stubborn about that sort of mindset as well and journalists know that so they're, they're very they're very like wary of criticizing certain companies How, and the opposite happens as well where like okay this this company is in the burning pit right now so we should fire every single shot every opportunity that we can get like case in point is Ubisoft, right? Like yeah. you, you could be watching a review for Elden Ring and the shots fired at Ubisoft like during a review. Yeah. It's like, like well, how it's is this? It's not even about Ubisoft, yeah. yeah. And all that that's doing is, and the amount of damage that journalists can do to like devs that work at a company mm -hmm. that have never experienced any problems, don't know anyone that's had any problems, and they get crap off the back of what journalists are perceiving this I uh, I personally I, I've literally had to take Ubisoft off my bio twice because of messages I've gotten from gamers, like just like people saying, "Oh, you should be ashamed of where you work," you know, stuff like this, like, "Oh, like Ubisoft make crap games, like go make a better game," things like this, and it's like, mm. okay, like I, I understand you have an opinion, but like that's that's what they're, they're going out their way to contact you yeah. to tell you something that they don't like. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, which you never ask for that opinion or you never ask for that yeah that that thought from them and that happens unsolicited a lot. And, and, yeah. and that's just ubisoft right like you i know like before ubisoft ea went through the ringer a few years ago um after um bioware fumbled um anthem right so like all yeah. of that happened and it's just like this perpetual sort of hate cycle as well as the fanboy cycle simultaneously running at the same time and yeah. it's just like, okay, who's in the firing line right now and who's in the protection line right now? And journalists have that sort of thing in their head. Like, they fully understand who is and isn't in those buckets. Yeah, you know? they lean into it, knowing that what's going to get views. And it, like, and, and you're right. Like, that's exactly why. It's because, like, they, they understand, like, if they fire a few shots at Ubisoft, then, you know, they'll get a few extra likes and clicks. You know, if they, if they like, high-five some um, Legend of Zelda stuff, then, you know, we'll, we'll get a few more clicks. And it's really mm. that simple and it's really sad and it's kind of pathetic in my opinion. But like this, hopefully it will change in time. But for now, like we have to sort of deal with this pseudo um, opinion of like the reality because the reality is like 
companies like Naughty Dog and and places at Nintendo and and the people that make Elden Ring from software could be like they they reported to have like really awful working conditions. Yeah. And at the same time, like there's people like Ubisoft that are treated really, really well. And it's like, okay, like wh- where's the reality? Because the reality just does not line up to the perception a lot of the time. Yeah. So like until yeah. we sort of get over that hump, like that's going to continue to happen, unfortunately. But it's the press's responsibility to form that view, isn't it really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, what you're describing there, Chris. The truth. Yeah. What you're describing there, Chris, is a, uh, what was it called? Uh, a journalist. That was it. Um, yeah. If only we had those in the game century, huh? That that'd be great. We've only got fanboys, really. Prove me wrong, seriously. Like you, you've nailed it right are, in the head, right there. There are a few. There are a few. What was that? What was that group of people I sent over to you? What were they called? Oh yeah, uh, people, um, people. People make, make games. People, people make games. Yeah, there are some journalists out there, but they're not like in the mainstream, and they're not getting the exposure they need yeah because it's not flashy it's not pretty it's not it's not what people want to hear like oh wait so ubisoft employees are treated kind of well these days i don't want to hear that like i want to hear about how bad eve gimo is like you you tell me that like i I want to hear about that oh when's when's last was part three out oh great yeah i want to hear about that i don't don't care about you know the revolving door their conditions that that, yeah got that game out out the door yeah yeah so it's it's almost like people just want to hear what they want to hear and they don't actually want to hear the truth um until we get the truth a bit more consistently, like that's never going to change. So who the hell am I? I'm just a random games developer that's frustrated with the lack of journalism that we have in our industry, even though everyone claims to be a journalist. It annoys the hell out of me. Every YouTuber can be a journalist, but you know, because they've got a little bit of dignity and how they like leak games out. But you know, like when it comes to actually important stories, then you know, like, oh, I don't know what a journalism is or it's just, drives me insane sorry i'm i'm you got me on a rant i love your rants they're so fun <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i guess that's probably time anyway yeah so yeah thanks for listening everyone finn's got to calm down for a bit so i'll probably i'll probably do the outro uh like comment subscribe uh ring the bell notification icon uh, so you can get notified when we do have new uh, episodes i should think i should be putting this up today which is sunday mm. I don't know why I've said that because you can't listen to this until I've posted it. <laughs> um, but that's just in keeping with the start of this episode, which was a bit of a mess, our 50th episode. That's fine. Um, if you have any time, check out Vin's game. It's called Long Gone, uh, where you can wishlist it on Steam at the moment and follow him on Twitter. I'll let you do your your where you can where we can find all your stuff in where can we find it sure yeah you can find me on twitter i am at hillfort games uh that's mostly where i post up my um my updates for gaming uh that's just been mentioned which is long gone you can also find it on steam just find it like just search it long gone you'll find it it's a little pixel art zombie you'll see them like hanging out like there's a trailer on there go and wishlist it if you want it's on there but if not then you can uh, check out some of my concept art on art station which is vinhill art so I do a lot of stuff for Ubisoft, like I was mentioning before. Uh, so I've worked on Watch Dogs, Rainbow Six, and uh, Assassin's Creed. So there's some stuff for that on there. Uh, go check that out. But yeah, other than that, just follow me on Twitter. But uh, how about you, Chris? Where can people find um, the the exciting, amazing things around uh, Focus Find? Yeah, so yeah, wishlist uh, Focus Find My Little Indie Game on Steam. Uh, if you wanted to support the game, then I've got a Patreon that's up and running. Um, under the name Acrylic Pixel. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Acrylic Pixel doing game stuff. Got a YouTube channel, 
acrylic pixel. Uh, those are kind of my main ones. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to 50 episode episodes in the can. And here's to many more 50s. Many more 50s. Yeah. We'll see you at episode yeah. 300 when we've got right. 400 um, subscribers, maybe. Well, we are. And we'll have really long beards. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, until next time, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Ta-ta. And take care. Bye-bye. Bye.